0: It is good to be with you today, church family. Are you glad to be here in church? Amen. Man, they may got to see the sunrise this morning. There you go, Russell. Did it was beautiful. I love the sunrise, and I'm going to ask that from time to time, and uh, because I just think it's the beginning of the day, and, and God has created for us. And uh, and you may be a later riser, and that's okay. But God has created this day for us, and I'm glad that you're here this morning. I. <clears throat> I just want to take a moment and say that uh, we, uh, and I didn't get to spend the entire week at camp. I had to come back, and uh, there was a death in the church, and uh, so I had to come back and, uh, and take care of that. But uh, I want to thank the youth for just a moment, for allowing me to come with you, and, uh, and they didn't know me hardly from anything, and uh, who is this old guy there, you know? And I'm surprised they didn't nickname me Chainsaw because of my snoring problem. But um, it was good. Thank you guys for allowing me to come with you. And I look forward to getting to know you more and more. I'm sorry that our time was cut short. But we got some great youth. And I'm thankful for that. And that uh, was um, uh, a great time. And uh, I just wish I got to do more. But I also want to say something also, the church, about, um, about our leaders down there. With Levi and with Nathaniel and Lacey and Samantha. I want to say we, need, we, we just go put your arm around and say thank you. Because camp is tough Especially when we have a week and then we go straight to camp again And uh, just because the leadership that they bring And the word of God that they bring And the passion that they bring to our young people We should really be thankful for that And so I'm grateful for them We need to live a grateful life, a gratitude filled life And, uh, And so God has given us so much But I'm thankful for that And I'm thankful that we're here together To open up the word of God And we're going to be opening up to John chapter 3. We're going to look at the first 13 verses on that. And I know you know this scene. And if you've been in church at any time at all, you know you've seen this. And I wanted to preach it to you this morning. God led me to this about the the midweek. And because I, I had another sermon prepared and there are times that happens in a pastor's life that he'll prepare something and then the Lord just kind of deals with you. And then uh, and then, you know, you just got to preach it. So this is a uh, uh, John chapter three, verses one through 13. If you will stand with me this morning, let's read that. And we do this in honor of God's word because his word is everlasting and it is um, it is a treasure to us. Starting in chapter 3, verse 1, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you've come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? And Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered these things, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, are you the teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of which we know and bear witness of what we've seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how shall you believe it if I tell you heavenly things? And no one has ascended into heaven. But he who is descended from heaven, even the son of man. Father God, we come and we open up our scriptures to this scene between you and Nicodemus. And we know that there is this, through this powerful conversation, that through Nicodemus' questions, Father, you have answered them, our Lord, and you have given us the information that we need about what it is to see the kingdom and I thank you because that kingdom is provided by our Lord Jesus Christ who has died for us as our Redeemer, the one who has paid it all. And so I'm thankful, along with my church family, as we dive into this scripture. Father God, if there's any here without the knowledge of Jesus Christ and, and with that hope and peace inside that has, that has in their heart, knowing that the kingdom is, is far away, let them come close to you and with you today. And Father God, Holy Spirit, be with us this morning as we open this great treasure. It's in that name of Jesus we pray, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for the word of God. When we went to uh, KBA this past week, I got to doing some math. And math is not an easy thing for me, but I think I can handle this one. I went there as a teenager, and actually, I think it was quite closer to 12 years of age, and, um, and I spent a couple uh, years down there, but um, I got to figuring it up, and it's been about 45 years since I've been to uh, Kaimishi Baptist Assembly. And I was really excited about it, but the thing about it is, is I, don't, I didn't remember that much about it because it was so long ago. And uh, so that history has faded a bit for me, so I pull up there, and I start seeing, you know, when you get past Heart and going down through there, you start getting into the mountains. And that's where I grew up down there. And I mean, it was just amazing. You go up and down and around and back and forth. And that's a beautiful thing. But then I opened the door, the open door of my truck, and I got to smell those pines. Man, I'm telling you, I thought to myself, I am home. And it's just a, a, a glorious thing to see. So many young people running around that place, and it's been there for a long time. I'm not quite sure how long KBA's been down there, but it has a great history. And I got to thinking about home some, and I'm going to tell you a story this morning about, it relates to this, so give me just a moment to tell you this story. When I was about five years old, what do I need? No, it's 1942. 1942, okay, 19, well, that's pretty. that's a long time. I am not that old okay I'm I'm not that old when I was around five years of age of course many of you know that my grandparents raised me and I was down there and and my grandmother had to go in the hospital I'm not quite sure why and I was never told why I just know that she had to be gone for a few days and so my grandfather was in charge of the house now my grandfather could open beans and that sort of thing but he could not cook like my grandmother and we found that out pretty pretty quickly but he also had um, outside, her outside chores doing my grandmother had about a hundred chickens and he did not like these chickens whatsoever he, he they got they got in his way they ate they get in the troughs and and he just didn't like the chickens at all but he put up with it because that was a passion that she had and so he had to feed and water them, and little five-year-old me running around doing that with him. Well, he went out there one day, and uh, he was cleaning out some things in the coop and everything. And I know he probably thought, man, this is, you know, I'm a cattleman. I'm not, I'm not a, a, a chicken man. And so he's out there, and, and I was doing something out, out in the front, and I heard a commotion. And I mean, this was a terrible commotion. Now, my grandfather was a great Christian man, but there's times when his Christianity would dim a little bit. And, uh, and so I heard a lot of language that I hadn't really heard before. And what had happened was, his grandma had this great big black rooster. And this great big black rooster did not know my grandfather very well, or maybe he did, I don't, I'm not quite sure. But he started flogging my grandfather. As he was bent over, he jumped on his back and he was giving him the, the business. And I mean, it was, uh, it, it sounded like WWE in there. And, uh, and I don't know all what transpired in there. All I know is my grandfather came out, one of the maddest I've ever seen him. Now, when my grandfather got mad, you just got out of his way. He kind of had a glaze in his eyes. And so he, he just, just rushed past me. He went in the house and little me, I didn't know what was going on. The next thing I know, I hear kaboom. And I went around there, and there was nothing more than just black feathers and what once had been a great rooster. Now that was my grandmother's favorite rooster. She loved that rooster. She kind of nicknamed him Elvis because he strutted around some. But my grandmother was in the hospital, and my grandfather finally calmed down enough, and he said, now this is going to be between us. Whatever happens, just let you know that when Grandma comes home, when your grandmother comes home. Just tell her that you know it just happened and it's just gone. So I agreed and I shook my head yes and I agreed. I remember my grandmother coming down the lane when she's coming home from the hospital, and I ran out to her. I was so glad to see her because I was hungry and needed something decent to eat. And as soon as she pulled up, she opened the door and I said, "Grandma, guess what? Grandpa shot your rooster." What a homecoming that was! I will not tell you about the conversation that preceded that or went after that, but um, it was um, quite a conversation. My grandfather looked at me and says, "I thought this was between us." Well, we go on, and that took him a long time to ever tell me anything else. But we got there. The reason I tell you this story is because I think this is exactly how Nicodemus wanted to talk to Jesus. Let's just keep this between us. Look what he says here. We see in the, in the Scriptures, he said, There was a man of the Pharisees, verse 1, named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to him by night. That's the reason I titled this A Conversation in the Dark. I'm sure he came by night because he had some, some questions that he wanted to ask Jesus. But him being a ruler, it tells us that he was a, a ruler of the Jews. And, and uh, we know that uh, the things that uh, the, the leadership that he had, him coming to Jesus... By day, you know, there'd be a lot of people who got to see some things, and I'm sure he just wanted this on the down low, if we use that, that phrase. Because Nicodemus had questions. You know, there's nothing wrong with questions about Scripture. That's the reason we go to Sunday school, is to ask some of those questions and, to, and about what is God saying in His Word here. And we, go and we come on discipleship training, and we hear, go to, come to the preaching time and asking those questions. And so Nicodemus had questions. Because Jesus was doing things that nobody else could do. In fact, they were supernatural. That's what a miracle is. He was doing some miracles. And it tells us, the real, the real uh, um, background of this text that we see is in chapter 2, verse 23 and 25. And it said, now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name. He was, when we see that many believed in his name, beholding the signs which he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, was not entrusting himself to them, for he knew all men. Now, this is really a key for all of us here in verse 25. And because he did not need anyone to bear witness concerning him, for he knew what was in man. This is our creator. And so Jesus is there and he's and he's doing all of these, these miracles, and, and Nicodemus is seeing these things. And but we have Nicodemus had questions, but Jesus did not have questions. Now he asked questions. <coughs> But he didn't have questions because he knew what was in man. As we're here today, first point, Jesus knows what's in us. Because he created us, he knows us. And I love the fact that I am known. I'm not well known in the world. I tell you what, you know, when I showed up down there to camp, I didn't say anybody, man, welcome home. It's been 45 years. I'm just a person on the planet that Jesus knows me. You know, reporters didn't flock around and that sort of thing, and, I, and I'm all right with that. But you see, it's not about being well-known in the world, it's about being known by God. Amen. And that's what we have to understand, and this text is trying to get us to us that God knows you, and His great desire, church, is this, is that He wants you to know Him as Redeemer and a Savior. And so Nicodemus had these questions because these miracles were happening. And we'll see that in a little bit or back a chapter, we'll see that he turned water into wine and he was doing all sorts of signs. Now, the thing about John is it's not chronological, but you'll read the others in the other three Gospels that he was doing all of these things. And it was just amazing people. And this miracle, which is an event beyond human capability or natural capability, he was going beyond these things. Our Lord Jesus had the power of the seas, He had the power over health, He had the power over all things. And He was doing these things and people are just absolutely stunned by it. So Nicodemus has these questions. And he asks this question, you see it in verse 4, he says, how can a man? And then he comes again in, in verse 9 and he says, how can these things be? And so he still has all these questions and he wanted the answers. But once again, he, we came by night and he's like, well, I don't want to really expose um, myself too much to s- society because I'm a leader in the world. Second point is this. We all need Jesus Christ. And we may be hiding some things in the darkness of our souls, but Jesus is the light and he can free us of that darkness. And so he, we may have a conversation in the dark, but just know that God loves you. And it doesn't matter the, um, the condition of your heart. He is there to heal it. Because Nicodemus had questions and he wanted these answers, and so he felt safe in the dark. It was safer for him in the dark. Many of us are there, aren't we? It's a little safer to be in the background, a little safer to not be on the, the, the spotlight. But Jesus calls him out. And so he's doing all of these things, and he had these questions, and he even, he, he really wasn't even all that honest with him in this part, too, because he says, we know. He's looking at verse 2, he says, we know, and so he's coming on behalf of the others, because there's some, some of them out there that um, are having these same questions, but they're sending Nicodemus to, to get it. And so he's kind of phrasing it in a way that we know collectively. And many times we do that, we kind of surround ourselves with an invisible army or something and say, you know, there's, we know these things, or just kind of put it off in the, for, for others. But he came in this, this conversation, he says, we know, in this we know form. So initially, Nicodemus was there to get information. Now this is, this is important. He wants information, and there's nothing wrong with questions, there's nothing wrong with information. But I'm so thankful that our Lord Jesus Christ, being God on high, takes us deeper than that. Because it's, not, it's, it's information, yes, but it's, it's um, the information that um, God has seen our hearts and said, now this is what you truly need. Take a look what it says. He was there to get information, but there was something in Nicodemus' heart that wanted more than information. You know, I can tell you all about things. I can tell you all about, uh, you know, it's it's, the reason why experience is such a great teacher, I can tell you all the things about fishing or I can tell you all the things about hunting until you do it. It's just information. It's when you start having that conversation and when you start uh, really exploring the issue. And that's what he was doing here. Our Lord Jesus Christ was doing something. There was something in Nicodemus' heart. He wanted more than the information. And verse 25, as I talked about the key, he knew what was in A man. And so the first thing, I guess the third thing I want to tell you, I get kind of mixed up. I get excited about preaching. Jesus looked into his heart. Look at this. He said, verse three, Jesus answered and said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, now this is personal. He came on behalf of the others, but he says, I say to you, now, any time anytime you see Jesus saying truly, truly, or um, verily, verily, which is essentially the same thing, we better pay attention to it, and he says it three times in this section. Truly, truly, he says, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Wow. So there Nicodemus is trying to get some information about how he's doing all these things, and Jesus takes it right down to the level that, that, that Nicodemus had going on in his life. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you're born again, and I know there's been a lot of people, a lot of media and a lot of movies, things make fun of the idea of being born again, but Jesus does not. Amen. Because Jesus came that we may be Made new, born again. So there was a physical birth that Nicodemus understood, but he didn't understand what it means to be born again. And many of us have questions about that as well. Once again, the questions are not wrong. And so Jesus looked into Nicodemus's heart and he made it personal. He switched the we to you. And I'm telling you today, church, we are here, we are here together. But the Lord God is speaking to us individually as well. I do not know what's going on in your heart. That is between you and God. I don't know what's happened in the, the past week, the past day. I don't know any of those things. All I know is, is that God, He can take a look into our heart and take it from the we to you. And He says this, He says, he, and, and I think verse 3 is so powerful. He says, uh, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, He cannot see the kingdom, the kingdom of God. There are two kingdoms in this world right now. There's a kingdom of darkness, and there's a kingdom of God. Those are absolutely, those are the only two. And we know who the principality and the ruler of the air is in this world, the kingdom of darkness the one who wants to drag us down, the roaring lion, and we'll call him Satan because that's what the Bible calls him, calls him Lucifer, calls him the evil one, tells him the father of lies, and that's the kingdom of darkness. And there's a kingdom of God. Because God, when we lo- and he looked upon this earth and he saw that, that the earth needed a savior, and he sent his son. Because right now there are two kingdoms in this earth and you are either part of the kingdom of God or you belong to the kingdom of darkness. There's no other way of looking at it. And it tells us in Scripture that there's no other name under heaven. Why men must be saved. And it's Jesus Christ. The only way to get out of the kingdom of darkness is into the kingdom of God. is through Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise God. And, and you say, well, I don't, I don't know much about this Jesus. I tell you, it is Jesus that came and wants to bring us out of one kingdom into the glorious kingdom. Because there is a kingdom to come, and we will not see the kingdom of God unless we get out of this kingdom of darkness. And this kingdom of darkness has such a hold on you that um, we have this problem. And I'm going to get to that more in just a minute, but we have this problem of sin. And we sometimes, on that sin and and that, that kingdom that we belong to that's not of the kingdom of God, sometimes we try to fill it with so much stuff that we try to cover up the idea and the knowledge and the truth that we need Jesus Christ because Nicodemus is there. Look at the things that he says. He's a ruler. He was a leader of the Jews, but he was lost. He had religion. Oh, man, he was was almost top dog in in the religious circles of the time in in the Jewish people, but he was needing a relationship. So he had these things, and he, had, he has great wealth as well. He had this wealth, but yet he was poor. The greatest poverty in the world is people without Jesus Christ. But the greatest wealth in the world are those who know the kingdom of God. He had the law, and he was a, he was a, he, and because Jesus threw it, kind of threw it back at him. and says, how is it that you know these things, but you're a teacher, and you don't know these things? He says it right there in verse 10. Are you not a teacher of Israel and don't understand these things? So he had the law. He had the, he had the, 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 um, the background of all those things, but he didn't have life because he thought the law was going to be life and all these things, and Jesus looked into him on that. But I don't want you to miss the fact that we're here this morning and this conversation is just not for Nicodemus, it's for us. Every one of us. And we try to maybe kick the can down the road and, and say, well, you know, um, God, I, I have a lot of things going on. And when things settle down, I'm going to get right with you. Hebrews chapter 4 has something to say about that. today, do not harden your heart today. And so when we look at this, we see that this conversation is for us. And, and so many times we, we try to, we, we, we search for things and to fill that void. And I'm sure that's what Nicodemus, he had money, he had wealth, he had position. He had all these things, but he was absolutely lost. And Jesus looked into him. Did you know Jesus didn't even answer a question? Or pose anything that, that Nicodemus was truly going to get there? He just cut through all of that and got right to the heart. He says, you must be born again. And so we can kind of clutter our lives and cling to humanity or do and hope that, that humanity is going to get itself together and we're going to have this great world. Well, the Bible tells us differently. Nothing is going to get us out of the kingdom of darkness except Jesus Christ. And you can. Live your life in such a way and fill it with so many things. But without Christ, you're walking in a dark kingdom. Let's say we cling to humanity that didn't work. Let's say we lean on ourselves. Let's say, man, I'm, I, I, I've got it together. You know, If I can only think right, if I can only do those things that uh, be positive about myself, maybe I'm going to do this. Maybe I can just be independent and walk this earth alone. That's the biggest lie that Satan ever put on people. You know, he did it with Adam and Eve. He did it. And he tells us all these things that tells us that you can lean on your own strength, your independence. It didn't work. God has this plan for us. And without Jesus Christ we have this massive emptiness and I think that's the reason why he came because he I think he really wanted to have a more powerful um, conversation with Jesus but yet when we look at this we see that this emptiness that he had and I believe the emptiness that we have it never leaves unless Jesus comes in to fill that emptiness I've been there I was 12 years old when I was saved Many of you know the, my, my salvation story, but I can tell you that before I was saved, the, 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 I was absolutely the most miserable creature in the world because I didn't have life. I didn't, I didn't have anything to look forward to other than me. And I knew that without Christ... And it was hard to tell me these truths because I denied them. It's was like, no, you, you know, before I was saved at 12 years old, I wasn't the most um, smart person in the world, but I, can, I just knew in my heart that, that nothing I would do would solve this greatest need that I have. And it's Jesus Christ. And so Jesus looked into Nicodemus' heart and made it personal. But Jesus also did this. He took him to this uncomfortable truth. And the uncomfortable truth is this, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse 5, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. When we look at this, we see this uncomfortable truth. To see the kingdom of God, it is through Jesus Christ and Christ alone. Without the grace of Jesus Christ, you are separate from God. And I asked myself this past week, I was like, God, this is a highly evangelistic sermon. He said, preach it. Because I do not know what's in people's hearts in here, but I do know that we must understand the emptiness, the kingdom of darkness, but the filling of God through His, through his sacrifice for us. And the only way to Him Is through him because sin is the problem what is sin you know sometimes we don't understand what sin is let me just tell you this sin is this it's a rebellion against God it's a transgression of his word and so the Bible tells us that sin is the problem and really when you think about uh, if put it in a more common term here we've stepped out of bounds we stepped out of bounds of his standards, of his, of his desire and his word. So sin is the problem. But and sin is not only a problem for us, but for us to get to the kingdom of God, sin is also a problem. And the reason we needed Jesus Christ to clean us up and to bore us again, to have for it to be born again is this is that God cannot allow sin into His heaven. And so how am I ever going to get to God if He can't allow sin into heaven as a sinner? How am I ever going to get to God? And it's Jesus Christ. Because you see, we, we sing about it, and people that don't understand about the blood of Jesus Christ. It is the blood of Jesus Christ that is, has toned or has redeemed us. It has covered us, it has, it has cleansed us. And they say, How can blood clean anything? Because I've cut my finger before, I've got it on my shirt, I've got it on my hands. How can blood uh, clean anything? This is precious blood. This is the blood of the new covenant. And this is by this blood, the shedding of blood, we have the remission of sins. And only through Jesus Christ is there the permanent remission of sins. Now, Nicodemus was part of the, the law. And the law said once a year you go and you sacrifice and that, the, the, high, the high priest goes behind the curtain and sprinkles the blood for all, for all those And so, that is just that once-a-year thing. The Bible tells us in Hebrews that there was once all those things, but the final priest, the high priest, our Lord Jesus Christ, came and He spilled His blood that you may be forever free. One time. Praise God. Sin is the problem, and so He cleans us up, He cleanses us, and now we are presentable to God. And we can come into his kingdom because God is so holy, so perfect that sin cannot be anywhere near him. The Bible tells us in 1 John that there was no darkness in Jesus whatsoever. No darkness, not even the teeny tiniest bit. And that is the and that is the standard of God that nothing, darkness at all must be, no darkness at all can be found in heaven. And the way that we go from the darkness, once again it's a conversation in the dark, from go from darkness to light is through Jesus Christ. There's a third problem with sin. It leads to death. Romans 6.23, isn't it? The wages of sin is death. You see, sin is a huge problem. And we have a world out there that just celebrates sin. Sin. It celebrates us and wants us to celebrate it. And that's a whole different sermon, folks. But I can tell you that if you're a born-again Christian, you're not going to be celebrating those things. You're going to be praying for them. We're not going to be bashing them on the head. We're going to be praying for them. We're going to hold to the standards of God, but we're going to be praying for them. But the thing is that when we look to see the sin leads to death... There is a physical death, yes, and we all have, and we all have a part of that. So let me, just, let me just talk about that for a moment. The Bible tells us in Hebrews, I love Hebrews because there's such great theology there. Great theology through all scripture, by the way. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I saw the tar and feather machine getting started up right back out there. Crank it up, that's right. I'm watching you, Preston. But you see, we all die. The Bible tells us that we have an appointment with death. And that's a tough thing. I, I mean, I, I like life. I don't, I don't want this, this life to end. You know, a lot of people, and, and, uh, because there's a lot that I get to do in this life. I get to, I get to um, be with my church family. I get to preach. I get to be with my family. I get a little grandson running around in his life. But you see, the thing is, the uncomfortable truth about this is, is that every person dies a physical death. There's no getting around that. But you see, not only is there a physical death, there's a spiritual death as well. And that is somebody without Jesus Christ. The Bible calls it the spiritual death, a separation from God. You see, sin causes that issue. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Who? Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we cannot forget those things because there is a physical death, yes, and we're all going to be a part of that, unless Jesus comes and raptures the church and takes us out of here, which, I tell you what, we need to be more looking to the sky. Because one day God will say it's time. In the fullness of time, as Jesus came in the fullness of time, so there is the physical death and there's a spiritual death. And the spiritual death are those who die without Christ. Because there's a great separation. So how do we do this? Well, Jesus Christ is the only way. And I preach that a lot because we need it a lot. John fourteen 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through me. But you know, he's the only way through this, and he says, he says in verse seven, "Do not marvel, I said to you, must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, do not know where it comes from, where it's gone. So is everyone who is born of the spirit it is, it is those things that um, we, we know that, that God is behind that wind and that that, uh, that that impulse behind us, and he wants us to to understand that his death, his death and his resurrection paid the debt because the fourth thing about death, or about sin, is there's a debt. Wages. Go back to Romans 6. There's wages. And you got to pay those wages. And me and my condition before I was 12 years old had no way to pay those wages. Man, I could have worked and made as much money as the world. And Jesus says, what is it if you gain the whole world and you lose your soul? So we can do all we can do and in 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 try to pay that debt. Sin has to have a payment, and Jesus is that payment, the only payment. His death and His resurrection paid that debt because what has done is we all physically die, but now we have, instead of spiritual death through Jesus Christ, we have spiritual life and life evermore and eternal life. It's the gift of God. Praise God for these truths. I want to tell you something. This, I want you to t- think about this moment. We, and we start thinking about death. I read a story not too long ago about this young man that went to a funeral with his dad and his young man was probably around eight years old. And the eight-year-old just could not wrap his head around death. And about the significance of it and the, the end of this physical life. And the dad was trying to help him to come to grips with all these things. And, and, um, and so the dad was trying to tell him about Jesus and how Jesus has taken our sin and, and has paid that debt. And, and that death doesn't have to be fearful for us because it's an entryway. The physical death for a Christian is, is now with Christ as, as you're ushered in there. But the young man still wasn't understanding it. And dad said, okay, let me tell you this. He said, this is what I want you to know about Jesus and death. As they're driving along, this great big 18-wheeler was coming on the other lane. And and there was no danger there. They're staying in their lane. And as that truck was coming along, the father looked at him. He said, son, he said, what would you rather face, the truck or the shadow of the truck? And the son said, "I want to, um, the shadow of the truck won't hurt me, but the truck will. You see, Jesus took the truck so we could have the shadow. Praise God because death for us is but a shadow of the things to come we dimly see what things to come and Jesus Christ is the one that took all the all the hurt and all the sin and all the shame and all the guilt and all those things that we may have freedom and all we have to face is the shadow because the shadow doesn't hurt us so let me ask you this this morning are you facing a truck or the shadow Because that is real. That's, that's real. Because without Christ, you're going to face the truck. But with Christ, you face the shadow. And the reason Jesus turned the conversation the way he did is because Nicodemus had a date with a truck. As we come to a conclusion here this morning... We see all the truth that we had about about, um, God knows us. He looks inside of us. He's taken our sin, and we understand about sin. But, dear one, do not leave here knowing that that truck is coming. Leave here knowing that the shadow, that the payment of Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection paid the debt. because it's just not about that. I want you to give these three great truths and I'm done. And we're gonna pray and we're gonna have a time of invitation. And I want you to come and pray. And you know, you you may be a Christian for a long time and something may be in in your heart that you need to come and pray about. But I wanna give you these three great, wonderful truths. And you see them in 16, 17, and 18. And I wish I had another hour to preach because we need these truths. In fact, this is a two-part sermon Next sermon, next week, we're going to be talking about more of this. But these three great, wonderful truths that we see in 16, 17, and 18, because this is where we're going to go next week. You are loved. You are so loved. For God so loved the world, and that's just not the world because He specifically made you. Psalms 139 tells us you're loved. Jesus came to save. So you are loved. Jesus came to save. And the last one... He who believes in him is free. The glorious freedom of Jesus Christ. Are you born again? Do you have that life in front of you? If not, today is the day of salvation. Lord God pray pray with me Lord God we come to you and Father we're about to end our time here and Father in the word but we know that there is going to uh, have this time that we can come and Father come in front of you and Father God there are many dealing with things that uh, we don't understand but Father God I pray that we we have the the uh, Father we have this impulse to come get right with you this morning if there's any here without Jesus Christ, O oh Lord God, impress upon their souls. Today is the day of salvation. Do not harden our hearts as in the rebellion the Bible tells us. The Father God that we're here and Father that we come and Father we, we, let us yield ourselves to you. And that's a very difficult thing. But Father what freedom it is. And so I thank you and praise you O oh God for your grace. That you, Father, were the truck. You are the one who bores us again. Thank you so much for what you've done for us. It's in that name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray. Amen. Amen.